Good morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It is a uh, wonderful, beautiful Sunday morning in, as my old friend Brother Weeze used to say, Camp Ra-Cha-Cha. Uh, today, I, I want to tell you, I really want to spend a lot of time talking about what I did last evening. I always forget, you know, by the time Sunday comes around... There's so many things through the week I want to talk about. And then Sunday comes around and like something happens on Saturday that just blows it all out of the water and makes me go, I got to talk about that. But basically last night I had the opportunity to cater an event on Cuca Lake uh, all the way down, like the furthest down you can get Cuca Lake. So it was the only negative on the event was I had to drive pretty far, but it was in Hammondsport uh, at the home of, I think I don't... I wasn't told that I wasn't allowed to name names, but also maybe I'm just supposed to know that I'm not supposed to name names, but I don't know. There was a lot of VIPs at this dinner. This was, and I want to walk you through also like how, you know, catering 101, and and I think I do actually have at least one caterer I know who listens to this, so um, if you're listening, Julia, uh, please tell me where I'm wrong, but anyway. Um, I, I had to bring in, this was a dinner for 17 people also, so I had to bring in help. And um, the help was truly, it kind of turned into where I was the help because I brought in help more talented than me, which I think is the key to doing anything right, is to uh, bring in people better than you at what you're doing. So I brought in Chefry Life. For anyone who doesn't know, that is the team of Chef Jeffrey McLean and Chef Laura. They are a husband and wife team who I actually did my New York Wine and Culinary Center, now known as the New York Kitchen, classes with for years. In fact, Chefry, as he is known, Chef Jeffrey, Chefry is the reason I even worked, still do to this day, at New York Kitchen doing those cooking classes because in 2015 I was just a radio kid with a pasta sauce business and I got a a phone call from Canandaigua saying hey we want to start partnering with some brands we do these Italian classes they sell meh we were thinking maybe if you if we attached your brand to it that it would sell better And I'm pretty sure at the time, they were also kind of saying, and maybe you could talk about this on the radio, too, which uh, which was okay, because then I ended up doing a deal, I think, with them, where I had, like, an official endorsement, and we were giving away tickets on the radio, and and then, you know, when it was all above board, it was fine, but still, it all worked out. It was great, and Sheffrey was the guy who originally called me. At the time, he was in charge of doing those classes and, and kind of putting together the schedule, and by the way, if you have never been... Do not sleep on this. This is something that has been now at this point. I think it's well over a decade, might even be a decade and a half. Just a staple of the Finger Lakes down in Canandaigua is uh, these these New York Kitchen classes. Perfect date night. You know, I mean, people are always looking for creative things to do on dates, and I don't know if I would do this on a first date because I think we all know a first date needs to be kind of. I think a first date should have a lot of outs baked into it you know what i mean like a first date should be a drink or coffee or just something that by nature could be over within like a half hour if it really had to be you know like i I don't know maybe that's a thing that everybody knows and that's kind of like yeah paulie no shit we all know that but or maybe it's not but i've always kind of felt that way i've always kind of felt like yeah well first dates should have that now if you end up on a second date this is where you need to really blow the blow them out of the water with something creative 
something different because a first date can be kind of lame because look we're meeting face to face we're going to talk we're going to see if we click if we decide to go on a second date that's both of us say and also can we just put this out there also absolutely no kissing on a first date no creepiness nothing let's meet Let's sit across from each other. Let's see if we can engage in an interesting conversation. And let's see if we are attracted to each other, uh, to each other's personality enough to go out on a second date. Right? Right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> right. Like I'm pretending like someone's agreeing with me. Right. Thank you. Right. Actually, I'm on my way right now. I'm driving across the, is it called the Freddy Sue? I don't even know what this is called. The Freddy Sue Bridge. My favorite view of Rochester, though, going across this bridge. You know, oh yeah, on my way to work this morning. Eh, it's gonna be a long day. It's day fourteen of a nineteen-day work week. Got a little stuff I gotta finish up at the factory this morning, and then I'm heading out to Canandaigua for the Canandaigua Arts Festival this afternoon. It goes ten to five. I will personally be there noon to five today. Uh, break down, come home, and and then yeah, work Monday through Friday, and then and then I finally have the weekend off. Although I do have to. A little something to do Friday. I'm excited about Friday night. I'm actually driving down to the Chautauqua Institute in uh, Jamestown, or kind of next to Jamestown, and attending the Jay Leno stand-up show at the Chautauqua Institute. My mom is a huge fan. My mom is, you know, I mean, think about it. Jay Leno was the Tonight Show from the early '90s until 2010, was it maybe ish? No, later than that. I think he went later than that. So, like, he was the host of The Tonight Show, him and Johnny Carson, for mostly my mom's life. And so my mom is just a huge Jay Leno fan. And so, yeah, going to see Jay Leno Friday night. Very excited. Staying the night there, sharing a hotel room with my parents, and then back to Rochester Saturday. And then uh, should be off for the second half of Saturday into Sunday. So, yeah. Yeah. Start the final week of a 19-day of a work week. Blah. My wife was here right now. She'd say, you just keep saying 19-day work week because you want people to feel bad for you, but you actually love it. And you know what? Seen. I feel seen by that. That's true. I do. I do freaking love it. Might be a problem. Might be a little bit of a workaholic, but I do freaking love it. Where was I? Second dates need to be creative dates. And the New York kitchen is like the most perfect creative date. Because think about it. You can do dinner. You can do a movie. Of course you can. You can always do that crap. New York Kitchen has classes that are interactive. You go, the chef, you know, teaches you what to do, and then you cook together. So you get a chance to kind of, like, work together. And honestly, it gives you – it might even be a better third date now that I think about it. Because maybe a second date should be deeper conversation. Maybe second date should be dinner, you know, a couple hours. That way you're into a deeper conversation. But, like, this could be a good third date, New York Kitchen, because – now you got to actually like work together a little bit, but in a fun setting, there's conversation as well. Anyway, that's where I met Sheffrey. And back to the beginning of the story, that is who I asked to join me last night to cater this dinner on Cuca Lake. We were hired to cater for 17 people. As I mentioned, there were some people in the crowd that we really wanted to impress. Um, not that you don't want to impress everybody. I, I honestly, I, now I'm starting to sound bad because it's like, oh, you only want to impress important. No. At literally every single person I ever serve anything to, it is my desire to impress. Uh, but last night when I saw the roster of who was attending, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, so basically, 
We cooked for 17 people. They had this beautiful home up on a hill uh, in, on Cuca Lake, kind of right near where, like, Heron Hill Winery is, uh, overlooking the water. They brought in, like, an events company to build this table and put these lights over this table just overlooking the water and, and just couldn't have been a more. And it was a perfect night, too, last night. Weather was just – you couldn't ask for better weather last night, too. So it was just everything clicked last night, and we were the final piece, right? Like, the, the, the food's got to be wonderful. And – we cooked uh, – let me go through the, the, the courses for you. So first we started with antipasto. So I guess you could call it charcuterie. I think charcuterie has a very specific definition to it. Uh, we won't get into it. You can Google it. But basically an antipasto, so you're talking cold meats, cheeses, veggies, things like that, dips, you know, all of that. Uh, and we built a very impressive tray. Uh, Sheffrey's wife, Laura, just built this beautiful antipasto tray. It was fantastic. Uh, they had that with drinks. Uh, the drinks, they had, you know, obviously many varietals of wine. They had uh, spritzers. Um, and then one of the attendees was actually Jen Newman, who is the owner of Young Lion Brewing, who is just absolutely one of my favorite people in the world. If you are ever in the beer section and you are trying to decide who, what to drink, what beer to drink, I know you have a lot of options. If you're trying to decide which beer to drink, I am here to tell you Young Lion is a beer you can drink that is not only delicious, but you are also supporting one of the most beautiful souls in Rochester in this Jen Newman. So she was there, and she brought a bunch of Young Lion. Uh, and so that was what, what was on the bar, and it was uh, it was really just a perfect little setting for an appetizer situation because it was a cocktail hour with antipasto drinks and whatnot on sort of the side porch of this beautiful home. And the gentleman that owns the home, uh, the, the gentlemen, I should say, who own the home are uh, Duffy Palmer and Mark Sewick. Mark happens to be a real estate mogul. He is one of, if not the absolute top real estate guy in Rochester. And so if you just want to put your kind of, you know, Put your mind to this. Think about if you're a real estate agent in this area and you're one of, if not the most mogul-esque real estate agents in this area, what house are you going to choose to live in? <laughs> That's the house this was. Just again, to just kind of fawn over how beautiful this home was. He was explaining to me, and this is just like how creative he is. He and Duffy are. Uh, and again, they are, they are the former owners of 80W down in the east end too if you remember going in there how beautiful that place was just how classy it was so this was kind of like a refurbished barn i mean if you look at it from a distance you can see that it's essentially a barn and like floor-to-ceiling windows in places just stunning views of the water but they basically took a barn from somewhere else bought the land that they wanted uh, on Cuca Lake there and moved the barn to where they to where it is now. So just I mean really just an amazing amazing situation. Beautiful kitchen, you know, exactly what you're expecting. Um just picture what you think the kitchen would look like in this house. Yes, that's what it looked like. It was perfect. And after the antipasto, um they wanted it a rel they wanted Italian, which is why they hired me, I guess, to begin with. And and so it's the middle of the summer. It's hot. I love Italian food 24-7, 365. Look, I don't have to be convinced. But I do know Italian food in general, pasta, heavy pastas, you know, meatballs, sausage, that kind of stuff, 
maybe not exactly meant for a hot summer day. So we wanted to do Italian. We wanted to do maybe more of a kind of a light Tuscan style Italian. And so I did, we did, we ended up doing um, a soup and then three pasta courses. The soup was a, a simple, a, a cream spinach soup. Really pretty simple. Kind of a soup base, a lot of spinach. Um, some cream kind of finished it off, you know, all your favorite spices. Um, what else? I don't know. We, we topped it with some chives at the end. Uh, it was really Chefrey's creation. I mean, it was a good soup. Nice and light, though. You know, something just for uh, just a little half a bowl, a few scoops, no big deal. Just kind of wetting the appetite for the pastas. Then we had three pastas. Two out of the three were my brainchilds. One out of three was uh, Chefrey. And the first we went out with Chefrey's, which was some mushroom ravioli with extra mushrooms, which were done. And I thought this was wonderful in a mushroom and tarragon kind of uh, he did mushroom and tarragon in some butter, then deglazed with brandy and uh, served that over the mushroom ravioli. Delish. Here's the one small issue we ran into. Because there's always a problem. There's always got to be something. And here's the thing you don't realize about it. Pretty much any time you're catering something or cooking for a lot of people, 17, I mean, look, you know, people cater sometimes for 300 people for a wedding. Uh, you know, there's conventions where you got to cater for 1,000 people. It's a different skill set. You know, doing volume is a different skill set. It really is. And, uh, well, we, we, we made a little mistake on this dish. So basically what happened was... We made all this ravioli, and it was delicious. It was absolutely phenomenal. Wonderful dish. Well, we wanted to serve family style because it's Italian, and it's by the, it just felt right to do this family style. Well, because we did it family style, we just handed the bowl to the people, and they start passing it around, and they're not necessarily concerned, nor should, nor should they be concerned, with rationing. So they're kind of, first few people are kind of taking, you know, full plate of ravioli. I mean, I had I had said we were going to do three courses, but I still think, you know, you're hungry. It's been all day. You've had a couple of drinks. You're ready to eat. The bull comes to you. You're one of the first people to get it. You're not shy. So it gets all the way around. And the last couple of people, there's, uh, <clears throat> there's no ravioli left. <laughs> so... We kind of had to, from that point on, we learned our little lesson, and from that point on, we kind of did it family style, but really we did it more we'll serve you style. We actually went around plate to plate and plated each dish for the people after that because we were like, okay, we need to ration this ourselves a little bit better. We, we need to figure this out and, and get this, uh, you know, get an even amount of food on each plate. <laughs> that was honestly mortifying. As an Italian... My job is to make sure that there is too much food. My job is to make sure that you are embarrassed by how much food there is. That you're almost like, oh my God, I cannot believe how much food you brought. And, uh, well, let's just say my, uh, <laughs> my, this is another thing. This is funny. This is one way in which my family and my upbringing is so different than my wife's family and my wife's upbringing. Because my wife's family and her upbringing says to get it exactly right right if there's four people coming to your dinner 
your job is to make sure that there is exactly enough food for those four people. You don't want leftovers. Whereas the Italian side says, four people, great, I'll cook for eight. And that's my instinct. My instinct is to cook for way more people. I've had situations where I actually had so much food at the table where it was actually kind of embarrassing because it, you know, people were kind of looking at me going like, who do you think's going to eat all this? It's like, what? You made three dinners, man. There's only four of us. I've had that happen before. Anyway, we got over it. It's fine. Next dish comes out. And what we did for this one was we did uh, cavatelli. Fresh cavatelli was beautiful. And then I put my summer sauce over it. So I did them a fresh batch of summer sauce, which is you'll take a pan. You're, you're going to coat it in oil. Nice olive oil. So you're going to want to keep your heat kind of low. Do some garlic. Just kind of bring that, simmer that a little bit. Put your tomatoes in, fresh tomatoes right on top of that. Uh, squeeze it with your hands. Beat it up. Make sure you still have some chunks of tomato in there because really the intention here is a thinner sauce, but really a fresh tomato, lots of tomato, just very tomatoey. And then you just take a handful of fresh basil, handful of fresh parsley, throw that in, maybe a you know little bit of salt, and you call it a day. And you get yourself a beautiful, fresh, light summer sauce. And then we also did that dish with a meatball. And I used my meatball recipe, which is beef, pork, and veal equal parts. See, a lot of people will say, oh, that's what I use, beef, pork, and veal. Well, you use meatloaf mix, and that is a different thing. Meatloaf mix is beef, pork, and veal, but it's mostly beef and pork. I actually buy ground beef, ground pork, ground veal, and I use equal parts of the three. That's secret number one. Secret number two is an extra egg. Right? Everybody knows one egg per half pound when you're making meatballs. I go one egg per half pound plus one extra egg. That's how I make sure that I get soft meatballs that aren't going to fall apart with the extra egg. And then the third secret is this is where I think anyone who makes meatballs knows they say don't overwork your meatballs. This is what I think they mean because I kind of... I kind of abide by that, but there's a more specific reason and way I do it. So I put my breadcrumbs in, and when I put my breadcrumbs in, I will work my mixture a bit at that point. But I will only work it for about a minute or so, and then I will leave it alone for about two to maybe five minutes, and then come back and continue working it. And the reason for that is, as soon as you put in your breadcrumbs and you start working it, you are going to think that you need more breadcrumbs. Because the breadcrumbs immediately get dissolved in there and you start thinking like, oh no, I need more breadcrumbs. This is way too wet of a mixture. Well, I'm here to tell you those breadcrumbs take time to absorb the moisture from everything around them. And so what you really need to do is you need to give them the time to do that. Mix them in there, but then step away for a few minutes and come back. And you've given them time to take on all that moisture. And now finish your mixing and you will see that it was the right amount of breadcrumbs to begin with. So it's light on breadcrumbs. Really, you want, you know, they're called meatballs, not breadball carm, not breadcrumb balls. You want to make sure that your meatballs, your meat forward on your meatballs. <clears throat> um, also, same thing with like, you know, we love our fresh herbs, but we want to use dry herbs in this because dry herbs take on, they're de essentially dehydrated basil, parsley, things like that. They're going to take on the moisture around them and give off a wonderful flavor in a situation like that, in a meatball. Now, in a sauce, like my summer sauce I did, that's fresh basil, fresh parsley, because I'm serving that immediately, and I want the pungence of the very fresh basil to, to be part of that sauce. So anyway, we also did a little something extra with these meatballs, and that is that we stuffed them with mozzarella. 
and that is not something I normally do. But in this case, we wanted to just go a little extra special, so we stuffed him with mozzarella. Uh, next up, final course, cacio e pepe. That's right, grown-up mac and cheese. Uh, cacio e pepe is a dish that I absolutely love. If you don't know what it is, it is a very simple sauce dish from an ingredient standpoint, but it is a very difficult uh, sauce dish from a technique standpoint. Here's what's in it. Ready? Pasta. Cheese, pepper, oil and or butter. Mm, that's it. That's it, my boy. That's it. That's the whole freaking recipe. But let me tell you about it. There's technique involved here. And, oh, I should say, and pasta water. Let me explain. So, basically, what you're going to do is you're going to take a pan. You're going to heat some oil and or butter. I actually like to use a combination of oil and butter. Some people use only oil. Some people use only butter, whatever. I like oil and butter. And I'm actually going to take fresh ground pepper. Now, don't just take table pepper. It's not going to be as good. I will actually take fresh ground black pepper. So get yourself a pepper grinder. And I will grind plenty of pepper, a generous amount of pepper, down into that oil and butter. And I'll turn it a medium to medium high heat. And I want to start to sizzle that pepper in the oil and the butter. Meanwhile, I've got my pasta going right next to it. And if I'm using fresh pasta, here's what I'm doing. Here's the trick on fresh pasta. Fresh pasta cooks really fast. So if my water is ready for pasta, I'm actually going to drop my pasta into that water and immediately remove it. I mean, we're talking about cooking for 10 seconds, my pasta. Now, if you're using dry pasta, don't do that. If you're using dry pasta and it says cook for like 10 minutes, you're going to want to cook for about eight or nine minutes. You're going to want to go to al dente or even one, you know, one step prior to al dente because we've still got more cooking to do with this. So then what I'm going to do is once my pan is hot with my pepper, my oil, my butter, is I'm going to take my pasta over and I'm going to dump it into my pan. And I'm going to start to kind of move it around and get it coated with all that oil, that butter, and that pepper. Then I'm also going to throw in my cheese. I'm going to be nice and generous with my cheese. And I'm going to keep that on medium to medium high heat. And I'm going to bring over a cup at a time. And I'm going to start with maybe just one or two cups of the pasta water. And that is going to all kind of form a little sauce in my pot, in my pan. But I have to be diligent about I got to keep moving that pasta around because I'm using medium to medium high heat, if not, everything's going to stick. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a reaction with the oil, the butter, the pepper, the cheese, and the pasta water. And the reason we're using pasta water is because of the starch. There's all kinds of starch in it now that you cook that pasta in it. The starch is going to help big time in what we're trying to accomplish here. And that is we need all of that stuff to stick to the noodles. So it's not really a sauce so much. We're not really creating a sauce here as much as we're creating a reaction where everything in there is going to stick to the noodle. And what you end up with, if you were to just isolate like one noodle, one linguine, pull it up, you would look at it and you would see a bunch of pepper and cheese has kind of clung to the thing. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're looking for. As soon as we see that, we remove it from the pan, immediately serve it. Put some more cheese and pepper on top of it too, by the way. And then uh, immediately serve it. Next to that was our main protein for the evening. And what we did was we did a pork a poivre. 
And what that is is just because we wanted to complement the pepper inside of the uh, pasta, we took the pork au poivre, which is black pepper crusted pork, but I have a trick or two that I use. All that really means is you're going to take the same stuff. You're going to take your fresh ground black pepper and you are going to coat a pork chop in it really coat it i mean not just like sprinkle some pepper on it you're you want to create a crust of black pepper and again you don't want to use black table pepper here because if you're using black table pepper here you're going to get something a little bit probably too hot first of all and second of all i don't think you're going to get the crust you want uh i just don't think it's going to work if it's like the dust type pepper you want black peppercorns that have been freshly ground up um you're going to Use it a very generous amount of fresh ground black peppercorns and just just completely just cover your pork chop in it. But also make sure you use plenty of salt. And I used to, I like to use some garlic as well. So you can just use a garlic salt or you can use gar- like granulated garlic and some salt. And then make sure your pepper is your outer layer, though, because you want that pepper to really form a crust. And then that's going to be an easy, pork's easy, it goes to about 145. Make sure you cook it to 145, high heat on the outside, maybe sear it, finish it in the oven, but keep a thermometer on it and make sure you get it right to 145 because it's going to dry out fast. It's like chicken. If you go to 160, 170, 180 on this pork chop, it's not going to be delicious. But if you go to 145, you're going to get a nice juicy pork chop with a beautiful black peppercorn crust, and it's just fantastic. And so that was the next course, the final course, and that went really well as well. I think people like Cacio Pepe. And you know what was great too was um, not a lot of people know Cacio Pepe, but when I introduced this dish to the course – most of them knew it. And, I mean, you're talking about a table full of uh, people who, uh, you know, eat at fine dining restaurants a lot. Uh, you know, I mean, I told you there was a lot of good, great people there. I mean, I had the honor last night of being around Lauren Dixon and Mike Schwabel. Jamie Saunders, CEO of United Way, and her lovely husband were there. Uh, there was, um, who else was there? Bob Duffy was there. His lovely wife as well. Uh, by the way, their child went to John Carroll. I, I learned that last night. I never knew that. Uh, and, and some other people as well. There was one guy who I didn't even, honestly, I didn't know this gentleman, but apparently he's like a state Supreme Court judge or something. I was like, oh my, I was like, who am I cooking for right now? I was like, I, I felt like, uh, there was going to be a security detail in the kitchen watching our every move, you know, <laughs> making sure that we were doing everything perfectly well. Dessert course was, was simple. Dessert course was just little mini pastries, cookies. Um, and I, I always, always cheat. Excuse me. I always cheat on dessert. I am not a baker. I am upfront with my clients. Dessert is always store bought. It's just I, I'm just not that guy. So it was Leo's Bakery for the win. We just bought a whole bunch of uh, pastries and cookies and things like that, and put them out on a giant tray. And it was uh, it was a good night. It was an absolutely wonderful night. I love doing it. Um, and I actually think I, I might do more. I don't know. Not like I have a lot of time. That's the negative, but <clears throat> what are you going to do? You know, you, you set a price that you feel is generous, and so it's worth your time. And uh, if it's people who you like and who you think are uh, going to be kind and respectful and 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 work with you and give you a you know a good experience, then why not? You know, let's do more of these. I think it would be a great idea. So that's it. That's it. It was a good night. Uh, appreciate you listening. 
Thank you so much for being here, and we will talk next week.